0: Good afternoon, good evening, my name is Marty Club, and I am your host of A Pitted and Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to episode number 178 and we are really, really excited to have somebody from up there in Paul Bunyan land, Northwestern, Minnesota, Dave Cressop. Uh, the head men's basketball coach, the newly minted head men's basketball coach at Minnesota State, Fergus Falls uh, Community College up there in northwestern Minnesota. We're going to talk about Dave's transition and everything with that uh, here in just a bit. But before we get to before we get to Dave, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, coaches, if you are in need of any balanced neck or spinal issues, if you have any troubles with that, Uh, You can give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call if you're in the Omaha area. Give them a holler at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you are listening, you are on iTunes, that means you need to download this. You means you need to give us a five-star rating. That means you need to subscribe. That means you really need to write a really nice review to make me look a lot nicer than I really am and let people know about a pen and a napkin because if we get a lot of ratings, if we get a lot of reviews, that means the farther we go up in the rankings, which means more people find out about a pen and a napkin, so be sure to do that and if you have any questions comments suggestions or ideas email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com dave Cressup, dave how you doing this morning here Uh, we're we're taping this on a saturday morning uh just coming off a a a medical procedure and and you're you're kind of getting back into getting back into full strength here
1: yeah a couple weeks ago uh yeah i had to have a hip replaced on my left side and and I'm two weeks out, so it's it's starting to come, but the uh, therapist said I'm a little bit away before I get to run around and get out in the yard. So, it's a recovery basis, but uh, it's coming slow, and I'm ready to be uh, full strength to get going again.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, best wishes to you and to your recovery, and uh, hope, it, hope it all goes well here. Yeah. So, um, Dave, you know, for, for we, we'll start this out the way that we, we usually do here. Uh, for folks that don't know a whole lot about you, about uh, what you've done, your basketball journey, why don't you take a, a few minutes here and fill us in. How uh, how did you recently end up uh, heading up to uh, uh, changing levels and going from the high school level to the collegiate level to the community college level, the JUCO level?
1: Well, Marty, it all started back in 1985 in a small town of Uppin, North Dakota, uh, I was fortunate enough to get the head coaching job there way back, and it was a town of 222 people. Holy! The first cow. day, I, <laughs> the first day I came to practice, I had nine kids total, nine through twelve, and it was a program that didn't even have a varsity schedule for the past five years. Uh, teams wouldn't play them because they just they just weren't doing what it was right to get on the map. So I took over a program that uh, only could go up, and we made great start strides from 85 to 92. In fact, we got to the district championship game in one of the years towards the end of my career there, and, and, uh, and then I followed our superintendent. My wife and I both got teaching jobs and followed our superintendent to Walhalla, North Dakota, which is north of Grand Forks, North Dakota, by the Canadian border, and we went up there for three years, and again, we inherited a program that had not much winning culture up there because it just wasn't emphasized, and we, we got it going, and we were in the regional final there up there Uh, in our last year up there. And then my folks are originally from Hawley, Minnesota, which is about an hour from where I'm uh, at right now in Perm, Minnesota. And they were getting older, so I wanted to get in the area. I applied for the coaching job in 1994, and I got the head coaching job, but there was no teaching job. So in 95, the job opened up again. I applied, got the sixth grade teaching position, and then I got the head boys basketball coach. And and I inherited a program there that had about six or seven wins in six years, about four coaches. And it was just kind of a mess. It just had been going through a lot of trouble. Uh, so I decided to tackle that one, and, and I've been here ever since.
0: It sounds like you're kind of into the reclamation project.
1: I, I really like that part. I like working with kids. I like teaching the game a lot. And, and it, it was it was not as much as people made it out to be. There were good kids. Uh, I just think we had to change the idea that they could be good in multiple sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a thing that we had to change in the town, too, is that you can do multiple sports and be very successful in those. And as soon as that idea got around and they saw what we were trying to do, and then they really believed in it, and uh, it just took off from there. And then recently, Marty, recently I retired from the classroom after 37 years in sixth grade and I decided to not do that anymore, and M-State, where I was an alumnus of, I played uh, point guard for them for two years way back in the day, uh, reached out a little bit, and we, I had some conversations back and forth with the athletic director, and I played for the legendary Dave Ratzloff over there, and his son now is the athletic director, so they got a hold of me, and I interviewed Ford, and they offered me a job, and I thought it was the right time, at the right place, and the right time, and I made that switch, and uh Pretty excited to get uh, a challenge going in my life at this point in my career and see what I can do.
0: Yeah, what's um, what's kind of the, the the feelings here? You know, you're you've been at Pernum for twenty eight years, I think. I read. Uh, I apologize if I got that incorrect. Yep, that's right. Uh, uh, twenty eight years at, at one place, and and you've you've done a lot of really really good things, uh, but now you have kind of this new challenge. Do you feel? Nervous, reinvigorated, uh, excited. I mean, probably, I'm sure you're excited, but uh, you know, what's kind of what's kind of all the emotions going into this this uh, next phase of your coaching career?
1: Well, I think it uh, brought me to life a little bit more with a challenge and a change. People always told me change is good, and it'll it'll give you a little more excitement. And you're right, I'm excited about it nervous too though the part that i'm i'll be really honest with everybody is i'm a little scared of the recruiting because i've never done it before mm-hmm. uh, i gotta I got learn the ins and outs of recruiting but i love talking to kids and uh i think over the years with all my experience around you i've got a lot of contacts and and uh, many 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 coaches reached out to me and former players and they said we'll help you out we'll get you players and we'll send them your way uh, give give us a chance. So that part of it's been the scariest. But you know, when I get into the court and actual coaching, I think it'll be okay. It's just the initial phase, you, to get things rolling and and learn all the ropes of uh, coaching at the junior college level.
0: Mm-hmm. What uh, other than recruiting? What do you think might be some uh, other challenges uh, as you, as you step into this new job?
1: Well, the one thing I've been thinking about a lot, and I'm a big uh, relationship builder. I love building relationships with players. And I think, you know, when you're getting people from all over the area or out of state even uh, to Fergus Falls, it's going to be a challenge to build that relationship with those kids where they trust you and I can trust them in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the kids I coach in Purim, I knew them since second grade on our youth program. So that was an easy building relationship thing. Or in sixth grade when I taught them. But now I'm going to get them and they're from all different backgrounds. I'm going to have to really build that relationship with them. And then they might only be there a year. They might be there two years. Uh, There might be some ineligibility where they can't play. There's a lot of factors that go into that. So I think that's the biggest thing that I'm going to do is is make sure they are, uh, you know, good people, high character kids that we try to recruit and make sure they understand that basketball is a short part of their life. Uh, uh, Some of them may be played beyond the junior college level, but not too many. Mm-hmm. And so we got, we got to make sure that they're set for the outside world. And, and that's a big priority of mine, more than just winnings, wins and losses, I think, Marty. Mm-hmm.
0: What, uh, what drew you to the job?
1: Well, first of all, it, it about, I forgot that little part of the story. About five years ago, they, they asked me to interview I did. I got the job. Uh, but I wasn't ready to pull away from the teaching. I'd have to drive a lot back and forth. We're about forty-five minutes or so from Fergus. Mm-hmm. I would have to drive there, coach, go to late games, come home, come go to Perm, teach, drive. It was just an overload for me, and I couldn't I couldn't break away. We had we had some things really going here back in those times, and, and then it was also a time I was coaching my my last son, so um, I wanted to stay with that and finish that, and and. That that kind of did, but being alumnus of there really did. At the end here, after I retired from the teaching part, uh, it just attracted me and it hit me at the right time, and I was ready to make the move.
0: Gotcha. Six hundred wins uh, in your high school coaching career—that's that's that's a heck of a number, Dave. Uh, You know, kind of tell us, you know, just just coaching that long to get six hundred wins. You know, what's been kind of some of the keys that you believe? to your long-term success and, and and just staying in the game that long to to achieve such a number?
1: Well, what is a passion that I have for the game? I've never lost that. Marty over 37 years. I've never lost that love and passion or where I felt burned out. Uh, yeah, tired but not burned out. But I think the key to it is that I started youth programs. And every program I got into, I started right away at the youth programs and built those up because a little story when I first started here, we'd have probably eight or nine kids in third grade, eight or nine in fourth grade. Now this year we had 35 and 36 wow. in the youth program in third and fourth grade, which is a lot for our school size of about 100 kids a class. So we had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of kids playing basketball at this time. And, and so I think that really blossomed because I knew we were going to probably be pretty good every year. I didn't know if we could be a, you know, a section contender or go to state or anything like that. But I uh, think that that longevity helped in building that youth program, knowing, hey, we got something special here. I got something to look forward to. And a, and a new group always brought new things, you know. I've watched a lot of programs over the years. They get a class of two or three together that are pretty good for a couple of years, but the youth program wasn't quite there. And, and that would be a little tougher for me because I always wanted to be involved because I'd always go to youth practices just about every week, uh, different levels every week and be actively involved in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, you, you were speaking of, you know, a few years ago, you got offered the job at Fergus Falls, but you turned it down, uh, for, for a variety of different reasons. But one of the reasons that you stated was you had things going really well. And, uh, one of the things that I read about you as, as I was getting ready for today was, uh, you had a great team in 2019, 2020, you were undefeated going into the state tournament. And then, the world shuts down, literally. Ugh, you know, literally the world yes, shuts down. Uh, and, and here you're, I mean, you're having this dream season. Everything is is falling into place. I mean, I'm guessing you would have had a great chance uh, of bringing home a state championship. And you are denied. I mean, you, you know, everybody was denied. But it, it had to sting especially hard for you and those kids with being undefeated and, and feeling very, very good about everything that you had done, and you had built this up to reach this crescendo point, and this virus takes everything away. Uh, not to not to pick at uh, too many scabs here, Dave, but kind of take us through uh, the emotions and everything that you and, and your staff and, and the kids and the parents and everybody in the community kind of went through uh, at that time, because I, I just can't imagine—I mean, obviously— it, it, like you were talking about, uh, you know, basketball is a short part of your life and things like that. But, you know, we're fortunate enough to—it's ha- a really, really important part of our life, and and we invest a lot into it. And and I just can't imagine having to, you know, feel like you've you've come up short, uh, not because of anything that you did, but of circumstances out of your control. So, how did you kind of handle that? How did you sell that? How did you uh, work yourself and your team and everybody associated with it through that th- that situation? Well.
1: Well, we had a, it was the the day of the game. Even Marty, we were planning our our little meal and our and our walkthrough with the team early in the morning, and we were all fired up. it was still because the night before, up at the same arena, they had about forty five hundred people in there watching a, a class below us play a section championship. So we woke up the next day, we were ready to roll, got our stuff organized, then about ten thirty in the morning. Our AD came down. And he says, uh, Coach Gressup, you got to come down. I've got some news for you. Uh, they pulled the plug. The season is over. And I just, my heart. I just about dropped and the worst part of it marty right away in my mind i said i gotta meet with these guys yeah. these seniors that have put their heart and soul into our program stuck with me in our program for that many years i've got to walk into a room and tell them that it's over so what we did is we the ad and the superintendent were really really good and, and they walked we got the room and we walked in and i i already saw the tears just a flowing in the room mm-hmm. so they must have got word through social media or something there that The things were going to be over, so I walked in, and I did my best. I broke down, just like them, and I uh, hugged the seniors, thanked them for everything I had, and uh, it was uh, kind of a tough day all overall, and it still lingers, even today. When you talk to those guys, it still lingers today, but I told them, I keep telling them, they can't take 28-0 away from you. Mm -hmm. It was a special team. We had, I would call, two guys that, Marty, were really, really good. And we had about six or seven players that knew their role. They did their role to oh, to perfection and not athletic, but just got the job done. So we achieved a ton with that team. And we had a nice chance to to get, go against a really, really good Fergus Falls team. And probably the biggest crowd that's ever been in that, that arena for many years. And it was all pulled away from us within 25, 30 minutes.
0: Uh, I I could just I could still hear the pain in your voice, Dave, telling that story. Uh, I mean that, that I just man, I I that 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 would be a tough one to swallow. I'm sure you handled it with as as much class and dignity as you could. But like you said, having to to look at those kids and and tell them that and and talk talk to them talk to them about it. Um, that, that just had to be a, 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 the gut punch of all basketball gut punches. Um, and, yeah, it would have been exciting. It would have been exciting. So
1: It, will, it would have been a, a rock and gymnasium, and uh, they had a big kid about 6'11 that we would have to deal with. And it was just such a ch- fun challenge. And, they, see, they're usually in the class above us, and they came down and, and uh, into our class. So it would have been something special. But uh, our community rallied, and they, they had banners. It was really something special they did with all – that that group of kids did.
0: Well, here's what you do: you you program a, a a video game, you you program a bunch of AI players into like NBA 2K 23 or something like that, and you play it out that way, and, and then you figure <laughs> out who, who's going to win it. How about that?
1: Yeah, they were, you know. I tell you the story: what they wanted to do is they wanted to go meet out at uh, Fergus wanted to go meet out a uh, playground or you know outdoor court to play it because we could go outside and play, but uh, that didn't come to a attrition. So we we just uh, both uh, claimed. The section title and the section was good about it, so we each got a nice nice trophy to remember it by.
0: Uh. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding, with topics ranging from interviewing for a job, to full-court defense, to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. Uh, Dave, I'm always fascinated. Uh, You also did some... uh, Tennis, coaching of tennis. And, yep. and and I'm always fascinated to talk a little bit to coaches who obviously basketball is, is team dependent. Uh, it is, you know, maybe other than football, the most team dependent sport of any sport that we have. And uh, but you also spend a lot of time coaching an individualized sport. At the most, you have a partner with you out there. And, and so I, I always like picking the brains of coaches who, who live in both worlds, this very individualized sport uh, and, and then the, the team-oriented sport. Uh, so tell us a little bit, you know, does your philosophy or did your philosophy change at all uh, through – you know coaching basketball coaching tennis uh, how were the sports the same as as far as you coached them how were they different you know so forth and so on just kind of if you if you could uh, indulge us here and kind of let's let's dive into a little tennis here and a little serve and volley action and and talk to us a little bit about your experiences there.
1: Cool. Well uh, all that all came about my it's really a, a neat story and uh, I played one year up uh, junior college tennis at Fergus Falls when I was there too, and and that went on my resume. So when I got hired here, <laughs> they saw that on my resume and they said, "Would you start a boys tennis program here in '95?" So I said, "Oh yeah, let's do So we got we got a lot of the basketball kids out right away. They all wanted to give it a try, and I did that from '95 to about two thousand three or four, and then I just got too busy with with uh, basketball, and I let that go. But then a really really good friend of mine, Jamison Miller. Who is still the head coach here at Perm asked me if I would help him he was younger he played for me in fact uh, uh boys tennis so he asked me if I'd jump on board and you know it was an intriguing thing and I, I like I love tennis I love playing it I love coaching uh, the singles part is what I'm uh, I guess my expertise is in and he lets me just coach all the, all the singles players and And so that started, and I've been doing that for about a dozen years, and people always ask me, why are you coaching girls tennis? And I said, you know why? One reason is building relationship with people I don't even ever get to meet most of the time in school. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of girls I had never known before came out for tennis, and I got to build that relationship with them, teach them the game of tennis the best I could, and it's just been a, a a blessing to work for Jamison all these years and, and to see what we've done with this program and the success we've had is immense, Marty. We just can't get over the hump. We, we've we been in six uh, section finals to go to state. This team that is a powerhouse always beats us. So we've come a long ways from one win our first year to sixteen, seventeen 17 match wins in, in 12 years. So it's just fun to see the success. Not only that, but see the smiles on the girls' faces and then have to deal with the, the female side of athletics is, is a little bit different for me, too, because you have to treat them at just a little bit different. Uh, they have a little more sensitivity to them, and uh, I do that. And it's just been a, just an honor to be coaching in that program.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how do you uh, sell some of the team aspects of basketball to your tennis players, and how do you... Uh, how have you taken coaching the individual in tennis and bring it to coaching the individuals in on your basketball teams?
1: Well, we we for sure, you know, it's no different in every sport. The fundamentals of tennis is the same type of thing of fundamentals of basketball. We. We really sell our program with that because we say that the footwork in tennis will translate to a good basketball player and the basketball player's footwork will translate right onto the tennis court. But what I try to emphasize as far as the team goes is sometimes you might be the number one singles player for me. You might have to go out there against one of the best in the state and may not win, but our team still wins. Because a lot of times in tennis, if they lose a match, they feel like they've lost it as a team. And so we really try to emphasize to them that uh, every spot's important. You might have to drop down to a two doubles with some other partner Mm -hmm. to make our team better. You know, we always want to emphasize that team part, even though a lot of that uh, tennis is singles and doubles. uh, There's a lot of team aspect to get you some wins and and get them to buy into that, again, that role play that they need for tennis as well as basketball. Um.
0: excuse me i swallowed funny there that's right Uh, um you uh you've run a lot of team camps up there at pernum and you know we're getting into team camp season and you know you've you've been really successful in in running a lot of big team camps and and bringing people in and and having those go go off pretty successfully uh you know we're You know, for folks that are thinking about running a team camp, maybe they weren't able. Maybe they're trying to get one off the ground, but they can't get it going, or whatever it may be. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about your team camp philosophy, what you've done, or to 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 bring in a lot of teams uh, to make it run smoothly. You know, what are some non-negotiables? What are some things you have to have in order to have a really good team camp and and to bring people in year after year after year to make sure that they run well?
1: Well, we started, uh, Marty, we start that always having like a youth, almost call it a youth team camp or a youth tournament. That's usually anywhere from 60 to 90 teams we bring in from all over the state of Minnesota. They come from a long ways away. Uh, So we get them into our facilities first and we, we try to run a class act program. Because our community gets so involved with, you know, you got to have ticket takers, concessions. Um, you need referees that have to ref lots and lots of games throughout a day or two days, whatever we run. So um, we started that, Marty, way back, in, and then we built it into the seventh through ninth grade level. And now we've gone to uh, varsity and JV levels in the summertime. Uh, we started out with maybe four teams, and now we're up to 16 to 20. Uh, varsity teams coming in and we usually cap it at that or keep the jv about six to eight teams and and run a couple pools of that but they come in and we we really try to sell our facilities our facilities are just amazing and once they get into our building uh i'll be honest we've had many 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 years of repeat teams coming back in both the varsity jv ninth grade all the way down to our second grade so um, I think we saw it that way, but without the support of the community, without the support of our, our backcourt club, without the support of my coaching staff, uh, which I want to elaborate on here in a little bit, how important they are to me is, is uh, very beneficial. And then the, the organizations that come in as referees to run this thing, uh, I just uh, tell them we got this many games, can you cover this many courts? And, and I've known them quite well, so they do it for me. I, I think they're just really uh, loyal to me, so they keep coming back.
0: Mm -hmm. if there's anything that like, if you had to prioritize, everything's important when you run a good tournament, don't get me wrong everything's uh, really really important, but if you had to prioritize, if if somebody's listening to this and they're saying hey, next summer we want to put together a great tournament, or this winter we want to put together a great youth tournament what are the one or two top things in in your estimation and your experiences uh, where everything needs to start at, maybe one or two things off the floor maybe one or two things on the floor that you need to have to make it run really really well
1: okay number one would be limit the number of uh, hours in between games that's the first thing i do i wouldn't have a team come in at eight o'clock and then have to play till two o'clock uh, that turns teams away right away the most we usually try to do is one or two hours in between get them in and out so if they're traveling from afar they can get back home that's that would be number one and then two hire good officials pay them pay them for their their job and mm-hmm. give them a little extra money to make sure you get quality officials and i feel we've done a really good job of that we have great officials around here that have been re- very good and then the other part we've been good in our scheduling but then i guess number three would have a good concession stand that's people do comment about that more than any than more people would think uh they like a good concession stand at these events and and we try to do that
0: mm-hmm. yeah don't mess with a concession stand you know, you gotta no, have that. Con- that. You gotta have that <laughs> concession stand rolling. So, I, I, I always, I agree with you. I think the number one thing for for me um, is making sure that you have quality officials because if you if you can't have good game flow, whether that's making sure you're not calling a thousand travels at a second or third grade level, or you're not letting it get too physical. Uh, where kids are getting hurt at a varsity level or they can't handle the, the, the speed of the game or whatever it may be. Uh, I, I think those officials are so vitally, vitally important. And if you need to pay an extra five bucks a game for officials to come in and and make sure that you have quality officials, that is more than worth it because you know just as well as I do, Dave, word starts getting around. And if you try to pull off an event and it's not a quality event, people aren't going to come back and they're going to tell other people, man, going to, to Pernham just... That that clown Dave Cressip, he that, that place was just a mess. We're never going back there. I mean, there, there's, there's truth to that, yeah, isn't that's there? True.
1: Yeah, true. Very true, very true. I, I agree with you 100% on that. And that's why you take pride and um, get guys that will run up and down the floor, uh, keep a flow to the game, but get under control. Uh, yeah, they, it's just so important. And a lot of times in this world today, Marty, you know as well as I do, that officials get, get a lot of – Grief about what they do, but they're so important to our game. If we didn't have them, we wouldn't have a game.
0: Yeah, well, and and I think they, it goes the other way as well. If you have some yahoo that starts acting like a knucklehead, um, you go, you say, "Hey, we're, we're not going to have that here at Pernum. You're 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 going to treat these these folks, uh, these guys and gals, very very well, and, and we're not going to climb all over officials over every little knick-knack thing." You know, I, I think that's important to defend the officials as well to make sure that good officials stay at your camp. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we do that a lot. If I get a complaint about uh, fans getting on them, I'll go deal, deal with it right away. And We haven't had to remove too many, but we've had to remind them uh, <laughs> why they're there. They're there to watch the game and support their kids and, and not uh, officiate the game. So we've done that a few times, but it's it's been pretty good overall, I'd say.
0: Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information... You can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, David, this time let's transition a little bit. We've got the John Wooden quote of the day uh, from Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Coach Cressop, are you ready for the Wooden quote of the day? All right. Uh, from page, uh, we're actually in two pages here, 65 and 66. Uh, from page 65-66, sixty or dash 66, from uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Here is the John Wooden quote of the day. We tend to compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to others who have more things in a material sort of way. Don't compare yourself with someone else in this manner. You have no control over his or her material things. And I kind of, you know, I, I thought of that about Oof. basketball and winning and losing and that type of stuff. Uh, that's the reason why I, I selected that one. What's, what's your thoughts on that quote, Dave?
1: I, I love it. You got goosebumps on my body thinking about that one. That's a really good one. And and I think what happens a lot in today's world, and it might be here, and I'm going to bring that up, Marty, is uh, young coaches today want to want to compare them to somebody else or to someone else's program. But they just got to be themselves, and and that happens so much. Uh, Just control the things, yes. Like you said, control the things you can control and don't let the outside things affect anything you do. And I try to do that on a daily basis, not only as a basketball coach or a teacher or as a family man. uh, I try to live by that, and that's a a very, very powerful, powerful quote that – wow it surprised me you picked that one that's really really good and uh, we're going to be living that with the perm you know because uh, a lot of people are saying well you're going to have really hard shoes to fill when, with coach Gusup's job and i said no no they don't they don't have hard shoes to fill they just got to be themselves uh, put into what they want to do and do the best job possible and things will be okay
0: mm-hmm. well let's talk about Uh, As we transition here, uh, let's talk about your program. Obviously, like I say, you've been around this game a long time. You've been in a lot of different situations. Um, You know, talk about program building. And uh, you know, at Pernam, you're there for 28 years. So I'm guessing you coach some fast teams, you coach some slow teams, you coach some big teams, you coach some small teams, especially in a community of about your size. you know, you had a little bit of everything, I'm sure. Uh, you know, so so, what were the keys? Uh, what have the keys been to, to building a successful program uh, year in and year out? That's gonna that's gonna have a chance to be pretty good every year, but yet you uh, you I've always said a high school coach has to have a permanent yet flexible system. Uh, where here's the things that we're going to do every year, but we can do this and this a little bit differently this year, this and this a little bit differently five years from now, so forth and so on. So, so what's been your philosophy in program building and and to to have as as long of run that you had there at Pernum? And and I'm going to kind of sit back and let you go here, and I'll try to politely interrupt if I if I have any questions, Dave.
1: Okay, yeah, I think Marty, the thing that happened is in '95 when I got hired here. Knowing the program was in disarray a little bit, uh, I started, I got hired in June and July. I already had a youth uh, basketball camp going in their gym, and we were able to get about 20 to 25 kids. And right there, it sparked in my mind, I thought, you know what? This is the only way this is going to happen is if I get myself into a, a youth program built and started and really build this from ground up, and, and that's where we started. So we went, and first, uh first couple years there, we started our what we call our Jacket Buddies program, which is a program through it was K-6 through six for a long time, where we'd bring the kids in on uh, three or four Saturdays during the season, have all the players there, get them in control of certain things and certain uh, groups, and run different drills with them and make it fun and grab their attention and, and make sure they understand the game is going to be fun for them. So we've done that since way back in the 90s. And then I decided I had to get this uh off-season basketball going and in-school program going. So we started an in-school program for grades three through six, which we ran from uh, October 15th about until Christmas, and we would get all our youth coaches hired and, and bring them in. And they'd have two or three nice skill development practices a week with each grade level. And, uh, and then after that was over at Christmas, we started our off-season traveling basketball right away and got them into uh, tournaments at uh, different levels. So at second grade, we might play one or two; third grade, we might be three or four and so on to build up through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had a seventh and eighth grade fall league that I started after they were done with fall football. Uh, we started a fall basketball league with the surrounding towns here and also a fifth and sixth grade traveling league that uh, we put together uh, with surrounding teams around here. Uh, so we had a lot, a lot of opportunities from them. So we were actually teaching the game fundamentally, not playing too much. I think uh, you have to really, really stay on the fundamentals first and then you can go out and play your games and put them together and not overdo both. Uh, but they played a lot, had a chance to do many things and it wasn't. A mandatory thing. They had the option to do it. Uh, we kept the price really low, uh, and then we built our summer program for our varsity and our JV's and stuff around that. And ran a set. We run a seventh and eighth grade program in the in the well, really, it really in the in the summer for uh, three weeks. We run that, and then we have a nine through twelve league that I started up uh, quite a few years ago. A uh, traveling league like around here, anywhere from fourteen to twenty teams, and we play that for six weeks in the summer. And then we go to about uh, we used to go to about six to 18 camps, uh, including the one that we host here. And so they had a lot of opportunities to go. But the foundation, Marty, I'm going to be really honest to shorten this down for you, is youth building is the key to any program. Uh, If you have a solid youth program and the head coach and the assistant coaches, are all actively involved, and you get your seventh and eighth actively involved in buying in, and then the fifth and sixth, and so on down the line. Uh, the program really takes over itself. It's just that then you have to keep the passion and the energy going, and and everything kind of flows itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, at the high school level, Dave, you know what did you? implement or what do you some key things that you implemented at the high school level uh after all of that youth development like were you telling your youth coaches hey we're going to play all man to man or we're going to do this that's going to help lead up into the high school program was there anything like that how how uh i hate to use the world word uh how, how controlling were you how how uh the controlling is a bad word but uh how How organized were you from the top down? Did you give your youth coaches a lot of freedom, or did you say kind of do whatever you'd like to do, or was it a little bit of both? You know, how did you manage that?
1: Well, two through through six, I let them be them. Mm -hmm. The coaches, I just give them a foundation of drills. I'd like to footwork drills, shooting drills, you know, those so... Uh, I was pretty loose going with them. I, I observed the practices, like I said earlier, quite a bit, so I got to watch. But there were, a core six or eight drills that I wanted them to do early in their practice. It took about 30 minutes. I uh, really enforced that a little bit. But then that last hour, hour and 15 minutes, they could do basically anything they wanted. They wanted to run five-out motion. Uh, they wanted to run four-out, one-in motion. I didn't really care because they had to teach the kids how to play. And so we let them go quite a bit. But then in sixth grade, towards the end of sixth grade, if we were running a base offense, we would we would put that in and and let them get a feel of what it would be like for seventh and eighth grade. Because we tried to run uh, our base offense in seventh and eighth grade, but also gave them the freedom to run other things if they wanted to run, if they wanted to run certain sets where they had a bigger kid want to get him isolated on a block they could do so uh they could run a five out motion and and get kids moving a little bit if they wanted to but uh for the most part i'd like them at least try that base offense we were running at that time and then nine through 12 of course we had our system in place with a lot of flexibility we changed a lot of things over the years on our personnel Mm -hmm. Uh, we've run we've run a lot of ball screen offense here the last dozen to 14 years uh in different uh, different ways And we we tried to come up with all kinds of counters to do whatever the defense was doing to us, but we'd let them play out of concepts. Uh, We'd still let them have freedom, but we'd be a little bit more controlling on that. Um, Back in our 2011 state championship team, that team was really patient. Uh, We had no shot clock, so they were really patient. They would grind people uh, down, and then then we were able to beat people off the bounce and get to the rim on our final spot. But we ran the same offense back in 2011. But it was just in a different way where we averaged maybe 48 to 50 points. Now we average 65 to 70 points. Same offense, different style of kids, and, uh, and just let them have a little more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Let's talk about your coaching staff. Let's talk about building a coaching staff. What are some things that you look for? What are some qualities you look for in a coaching staff and in an individual coach? Uh, How do you fill things in? Uh, You know, obviously in 28 years, I'm sure you've had uh, some people come in and out. Uh, Hiring coaches is hard. It's not as easy as people think it is. Uh, You know, so kind of go through, you know, your philosophy of building a coaching staff and, and, and what's, what, what, are, what are key things that you look for uh, to bring into somebody into your coaching orbit?
1: Well, number one is loyalty. I always ask them, um, are you going to be loyal to me, loyal to the program? That's number one in my, in my book. That's, that's the important thing to me, number one. Number two would be the willingness to put in time because I always tell them, if you step into this, it's going to be a lot of time commitment, and I understand if you have a family and you have to say no to that job, Go ahead and do that because it's going to be a lot of time put in and your willingness to do that is huge. And then lot well, goes kind of with time commitment, I guess. But And then the other, other thing is the confidence in themselves <clears throat> because if I give them some freedom, I want them to be able to run, out, run with it. And I'm really good, I think, at delegating and letting some of my assistants have uh, special duties that they can really take pride in. And the kids can hear their voice and and do the things they want. So those would be the top three. But uh, the thing about my staff is uh, it's weird is I had a guy just retire of 23 years with me. I had a guy just retire 20 years with me. And then I had another guy of 28 years just retire from me. So I've had longevity in my seventh and eighth grade. They've been with me for a long time. Uh, We have very little, I'll be honest, my very few that have left us, uh, unless they left our school or they had a family. And, and we've had four, we are very fortunate about that. And we got high, we got two of ex head coaches before I stepped down in the seventh and eighth grade that were head coaches and were willing to come in seventh and eighth grade and run our program. Um, so we've had just immense amount of, uh, uh, leadership, uh, experience, and I'll tell you what, this. Uh, my assistant, Brian Schwantz, was with me for 28 years, and he stepped down this spring. And then when I got hired at M-State, I said, I'm going to work. I went and asked him, and by God, the other day, he uh, signed in, and so I'm taking him with me <laughs> over to M-State. And so it's quite a 10, and we're going to be able to go over there and try some things with them. And, and Brent Hansen was with me for 20 years. Tim Schmitz for 23 years. Um, it's just been uh, crazy the amount of loyalty I've had. And that's young guy, I have Grant turkizing that was on my staff for nine years. He's been here for nine years, so he's on my staff since he got here. Uh, I had two former head coaches, Arlie Ohm and and Gary Gruy in the seventh and eighth grade, who did an outstanding job for us. And then we're just fortunate we have great youth coaches that uh, parents that step up and that have either played or are taken a lot of pride in the program. So I'll tell you what, I've been very fortunate to. Uh, to have coached in this community, in this school, uh, because of that, and uh, our success is built a lot around them. The credit has to go to a lot of, to them, not to the head coach so much, because you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I was at today if I didn't have those people.
0: What were uh, what's been the keys of of having that just tremendous amount of stability, Dave? What do you think that's been?
1: I I hope it's I hope it is in my mind. I hope it's the way I treat them, and uh, I hope it's the way that i make them feel really important about their job i I hope so uh but there's a lot of people in this town now just turned from not a basketball town uh to to a very basketball is very important to them now and and a lot of these guys uh did that and they're just uh, the one they were just stepping away the ones that are leaving mainly maybe probably a little bit because i was leaving too but uh, because one wanted to be a, a basketball dad for his daughter in seventh grade. at and then he was 28. He wanted to do some things that he didn't get to do, but this this enticing job at M State kind of looked kind of intriguing to him, so he stepped up and did that. Then we had a volunteer guy, Tim Schmitz. I mean, he just loved being around. Uh, he said he admitted he didn't know a lot about basketball, but he had a different role. He he talked to the kids before practice, so if I had to get on him hard, he'd go put his arm around him and explain why that that. Coach Kressel had to get after him. He was just that kind of guy. And so they're very, very, very good people. And, and uh, uh, they've done a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Coaches
0: are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Dave, one of the things I really like about uh, your, your program, and, and we do a, a variation of this as well, I, I love your post-game awards. Uh, and, and the stuff that, you, I think there's a hard hat, there was a chain, there, yep. there might have been a, 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 a lumberjack award, uh, I, I don't know. There was a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, lunch pail, that type of stuff. Uh, explain to us, and, and my kids... Uh man, if if I forget about this for like a half second after one of our games, they jump all over me. Coach, coach, coach. I'm like, oh yep, yep, my fault. Uh, uh, so <laughs> Boy, I, we've done that too. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm guessing you're you're in the same place. Uh, you know, tell us the the importance of just uh for for experienced guys. We're not going to use the O word. Uh, we're experienced guys like you and I. We kind of see this as kind of you know you know, maybe sometimes why do we need to do this or whatever, but for the kids, it's a huge deal to have these post-game awards. Where was the, uh, the, the birth of your concepts? What are the the awards that you give out? Uh, how do you commit, uh, how, how do you, how do you do it? You know, so forth and so on, uh, when it comes to these post-game awards.
1: Well, we started uh, quite, a, quite a few years back, but it was, I got the idea from, uh, a really good coach in North Dakota that I'm a good friend with that, uh, and, Northern Cass in North Dakota, and he gave me the idea, and then I just kind of built more onto it um, after that. But you're right, the kids, if you don't get in there and get these awards going right away, they're jumping all over you. But I I give this to my assistants. This is another thing I delegate to them is I say you guys get together and you make sure it's uh, unanimous of who you're choosing and make sure it's not always on who scores the most points. I don't want all that. I, I want things that they did, the intangible things of diving on the floor maybe when they get the hard hat award, uh, just little things that every kid knows. I've got a chance of this. And uh, earlier this year, we gave it to the, probably our 15th man on the bench mm-hmm. uh, just because of his actions on the bench during the game, his cheering, team camaraderie. So we kept it really open and, and made it a lot of fun. We And then we take him out on our floor. Take a picture after the game, and then we then we display it on Twitter. And and boy, oh boy, did that take a, You know, sometimes you only average ten or fifteen likes on the Twitter. We we got quite a few likes every game after that. Uh, and then I got a lot of questions from other coaches about it too.
0: Mm-hmm. So so what are what are the awards that you have? Uh, what what are they? You know, what are the categories for it, so forth and so on.
1: Well, one of them we go on the hard work. I, I we, we give out different ones. So Marty, that's changed from what sure. you maybe have seen on Twitter. But we give off one for the outstanding, always the chairman of the boards, uh, the guy that really was relentless on the boards. And it doesn't always mean the guy with the most award or most rebounds. Sometimes it's a guy that just went after and got a key rebound late in the game or something like that. Uh, charges taken, uh, we we really emphasize the the charge chain, and uh, that one we uh, instituted a couple of years ago, and they really like that. And so if we have multiple kiss take charge chain, we'll take them with all three. Uh, so we had that. The hard hat award is for all those little things and loose balls diving on the floor. Could be a charge in there too if you you wanted to. uh and Like you called it the lunch pail. That that one includes everything. We could throw that into a category of scoring points, rebounding, defending. That their best player. uh Anything in that lines, and and so that's kind of where we we were this year with all of that. And uh-huh. I, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm going to institute a little bit even at the college level now. I'm gonna, go into the superhero uh, figurines, and okay. I got some good. I got some good ideas about those too. That they get to keep these uh, seven or eight inch uh, superhero figurines in their lockers for the week if they reach one of these goals. And I haven't quite ironed it all yet. Oh, yeah. But I'm gonna have something in place when I get over there too.
0: Perfect, uh, Dave. I know you got to get running. Uh, let's 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 end with this um, networking and the importance of of networking. The importance of connections. Uh, just kind of talk to us. Uh, you know, why has that been so important? You know, now networking is a huge part of your job because you got to talk to other coaches to bring in other kids, uh, to bring in their kids to to your school and to find out, hey, you know, how's Jimmy's jump shot or how's you know how's how's Billy? Is he athletic enough to play at this level? You know, so forth and so on. So. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what you've learned about networking over the years. How to build a good network. What are the keys to building a good network, and and everything that goes into uh, that process.
1: Well, it's it's been really really good for me because I've been doing this so long that I have built some good networking and some good coaching uh, friends. And I started in North Dakota, way out in western North Dakota. So, I built a good base of people I know out there, and a lot of them are still around there or have retired but still live out there. So, I've already been in touch with all of those people out there. Then I moved to more of the north, north of Grand Forks in Walhalla. Uh, I met a lot of people up there. In fact, I talked to one of my former assistants up in there the other day, and he's going to be the kind of the recruiting coordinator, per se, up in that area and give me names of kids he can, you know, because it's a long ways for me to. To travel, but he's going to give me some names up there. And then I'll tell you what, if you've never been associated with Minnesota basketball, Marty, uh, the coaches in this state are just simply amazing. Not only do they coach well and mentor well and treat kids well, but the friendships I've gained over these 28 years in Perm over the state of Minnesota is immense. So I've been reaching out and networking with them to make sure I, I touch base and make sure that the, uh, they know their players are important to me uh, and just the, the friendships I've gained over the years. Well, I think, I feel right now will give me a good advantage of getting at least some names of kids. Then it's my, my job to sell the program and sell where M-State is at this time. But I, I can't tell you how important that is. and. And again, the friendships is the biggest thing, and and then uh, building that friendship and going from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I think a big part of that is just being genuine, don't you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to be true and genuine to them. But you know, all the I'd say the oh man, I couldn't even give, put a number on how many good friends I have in Minnesota over over the coaching ranks. Uh, uh, but. Being honest with them, I think that's that's really, really one of the key things and and though that uh, their their program is as important to, to as yours and uh, make sure that you commend them on the job they're doing and reaching out and staying in touch. those are all important things and I've been doing that on a on a weekly basis with the guys are out here.
0: Mm-hmm. Dave awesome stuff I know I, I know you, you got a lot of stuff going on this morning uh, and and you're and you're working through the the recovery and and uh, you got to get out here in just a, just a minute so uh, I really really want to thank you for your time uh, I, I wish I had longer to talk to you but we're gonna we're gonna work with what we have here uh, today so uh, but uh, thanks so much for for coming on here Dave and, and I, I really I really hope you uh, enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin
1: Boy did I enjoy it! And I, I really want to be genuine to you and say thank you very much for having me. This really is really special to me. And and uh, like I said earlier, I followed you for a long time on there, and you do an outstanding job. And, and uh, just keep doing those good things you're doing right now, and then people are really gravitating towards that uh, website. So you will get a lot of a uh, lot of likes. Sh- uh, from me, I'm gonna put out something for for you on on Twitter to thank you for everything because uh, this is really special to me and I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dave. That that you're you're. Kindness is, is greatly appreciated down here in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, uh, wish you nothing but the best. And uh, uh, we're going to wrap up things here today. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for, for the kind words. Uh, Dave Cresip, uh the head men's basketball coach at uh, Minnesota State Fergus Falls Junior College here, most recently a Pernum High School in northwestern Minnesota. We want to thank Dave for coming on here this morning. We, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review, again, subscribe, give us five stars. Uh, you know, would be greatly appreciated to help us move up in the rankings. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandandnapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a, and a It's a really good coaching website. I know that because I made it myself. So uh, there's a lot of good things that can help you out. So coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day at a time.